so I'm at the Four Seasons Kabul um, because Harrison Ford didn't bother checking his dials. Um, he fly he flies planes. He uh, yeah, he's a pilot. If, yeah. So you ended up in Kabul. Let's, uh, well, I'll just skip ahead of the end. Let's see. We're holed up in a building, gunfire, mm-hmm. um, and I'm thinking, you know, we got to cross the street right now. If we move now, we can uh, take the high ground, fire signal flare, whirly bird comes, picks us up, we go home. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's how it always happens with Harrison. Yeah. If you or Harry, I don't know if you call him Harry. No, I don't either. Uh, but most of the time with Harrison. Mm-hmm. It ends in gunfire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're 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 getting ready to 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 make our move. I you know I go over the plan and yeah. Uh, Harrison's like I'm brave, but you're nuts. And I turn to him and I'm like Harrison, buddy, you're smarter than you look. <laughs> now cover me, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and cover me. And I run and I'm I'm off the ledge, uh, and Harrison's behind me like, oh no way. <laughs> Just you're just blowing his mind right now. Well, he didn't see my bungee cord. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I kind of fall way down. Did you not see your bungee cord? I fall down like three, four stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I slingshot. I detach and s- slingshot over the street. Uh, land right on top of the building, both feet on the ground, arms straight uh-huh. up. It was perfect. I fire off the flare. I look out, and ISIS is like r- the running away. I mean, I would assume there'd be a pausing. And uh, yes, and there was some scattered applause. Uh, but mostly, you know, and some of them did have shit stained dresses on because I do think they were mostly scared. Um, and not to be gross, but that's what I saw, Steve. And I'm not surprised at all. Like, there's a surprise level, and I'm at baseline zero right now. And by the way, if you see something, say something. And if you don't say something, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to make you say something. And that something's going to be ouch. And I'll get my buddy Liam Neeson to join along because he has special skills. If you don't know, he'll find you. Oh, brother, he'll find you. (laughs) He has a nose like a bloodhound. That man, it is incredible. Hey, welcome to All About Rush, a complete and... (laughs) I'm going to do it right, though. Mm -hmm. Hey, welcome to All About Rush, a complete and chronological analysis of the transcendent Canadian rock band Rush. I'm your co-host, Rory. And I'm Steve Mills. Steve, Rush has been... Rory! Okay. Oh, no, sorry, continue. You just wanted to do it? Yeah. It felt right. So, all right, I'm going to start this over. Okay, I won't do it this time. Steve, Rush has been filling our, what, our cars, our hearts with music I can only describe as so good uh, since the late 1960s. Um, But the sad truth of it is that all good things do come to an end. Um, Rush is essentially in retirement, feeding ducks, napping in the sunny spot i don't know if they're feeding ducks i think they only have canadian geese up there those seething feathery bags of okay i don't think and spitefulness and you're right and that's how they are and i do know animals Mm -hmm. well yeah but i don't think that the american audience knows like the other 
country's animals. So I'm saying, well, I'm saying like an American animal that they would know. They would know. Well, they may just call them geese here. So they're feeding a water bird. Okay. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that much. We can agree on that. It's a waterfowl. Uh, probably breadcrumbs, maybe some grains. Yeah, but that's what they're doing in retirement, feeding waterfowl. Mm-hmm. Buying gold. Probably. I, I'd put your money in gold right now. Or land. Land but is I, cheap. Yeah. Land is cheap right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So we thought it would be a good idea to introduce some of our favorite up-and-comers uh, who do have a chance of becoming the future of progressive rock and perhaps command their own army of nerds. Oh, my gosh. Someday. Be great. It would be great if they did. Rush is passing the torch a little bit. They've been doing... They really haven't come out with anything new... They've sort of remastered some of their old albums recently, but... Um, right. Um, since 2015, I think, they've been in at least quasi-retirement. Yeah, um, so it's about time for them to pass the torch to some other uh, lesser well-known progressive bands. So let's talk about some of these bands that we think are so good and you know, maybe with our help could become really good. Yeah, so I hope we can, we can do some good for... Uh, we can help Rush out with their torch. We'll share the load. We're going to share the load. That the, It's a heavy torch to pass. So Rush, gonna... take a brick off that shoulder and just mm-hmm. put it on ours and, and just pile them up because we're going to help you out. Yeah. We're going to give that torch. We're going to break it up. We're going to give it to a bunch of people, uh, and we're going to help them out while we help you out. Yes. So uh, we've, we've spent some time. We've, we've gone to countless. This is... This is part of what we've been doing for the last month and a half, two months, mm-hmm. is going to as many progressive rock concerts, at least I have been, um, across the country, across the world. Yes, and well, and we both have been, but there's a thing where we don't, we're not seen in public together. Correct. Yeah, we're not going to these together. And it is kind of like how the two Pepsi guys uh, can't go on the same plane. Yeah. We may have been to the same, some of the same shows, but uh, we've been doing our research. We've been crunching the numbers. We've been uh, cooking the books. We've been... Frying up the... I want to get one. Um, keep going. Cracking a few eggs. Is that what we're going for? No. Okay. Uh, we've been chopping a few trees. We've been... Oh, I like that one. Can I... Can I let's okay. let, let me say it and then we'll put it in. Okay, we'll we'll, uh, we'll edit it, me saying it out and we'll put it you saying it in. Okay, go. Chopping some trees. Y- yeah, exactly. So we've been doing our time and we've been we've compiled a short list of some of four. I think we each have two. I have at least two of what we think is the future of progressive rock. Oh, I really do think so. Yes. So excited. Uh, and uh, well, how about you begin? All right. Well, my first band comes from Helsinki, and they're known as the Saskatooners. Oh, yes. It's a four-piece band. Uh, they have an accordion player, a 24-7 accordion player. He's always got it with him. Yes. They throw down some heavy tracks, some... Distort. They they figured out how to put distortion on an accordion. Wow, that's so interesting uh, and fun mm-hmm. to think about why you might want to hear that. 
Yeah, I was skeptical at first, but what these guys can do with, uh, you know, a guitar, a bass, Mm -hmm. a a drum kit, an accordion, really opened up my eyes to where rock music could go. Or should go. So that's Saskatooners from Helsinki. Um, It's a fourth piece. Um, They have one song um, called Dancing in Blood. Ah. Yeah, pretty heavy subject material, um, but a pretty light tune. So they're throwing curveballs left and right, and I can't hit them, but they're hitting me hard. Oh, and and that's such a good way to explain what they're doing to you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, try following that one up. Uh, well, okay. So I'm guessing you didn't. You didn't. You weren't there in Helsinki. I've never been one? invited back to it. Okay, yeah. So you probably weren't there. So that's one Saskatooners. Mm-hmm. The Saskatooners. Um, I'm with Elvis Costello. Uh, we're on his roof, um, kind of a private place where he and his close friends, well, our, our close friends, um, sort of hang out, shoot the shit, uh, uh-huh. just just us guys. Yeah. And it's pretty high up, I'd say, um, 200 feet. Wow. We're up there. We're up in the stratosphere flying so high. For sure. Uh, and so down below on the patio is... Um, Wait, down below is in 200 feet below? Yeah, all the way down. Oh, all the way down. Yeah. This band, uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elvis has to go to the bathroom. <sighs> and he's been doing it a lot more lately. I know, with age. And honestly, it's a relief, though, because he'll talk your ear off. Mm. Has uh, he ever asked you to come into the bathroom with him? Once or twice. you're, you're mid-conversation. Once or and twice. he doesn't want to break it. Yeah. So you just have to stand by the door, basically, maybe just wash your hands the whole time. Oh, it's weird, though. Yeah, he's just a strange, he's a strange guy. He's a strange guy. He'll try to get you into his bathroom. Um, mm-hmm. So he goes, and I can finally just, you know, listen to this band, mm-hmm. and and they're doing notes and chords that I haven't heard before, Steve. You haven't, even you haven't heard them before, you're saying. I thought I knew them all. Yeah. Wow. And, and so right away, I'm like, oh, these guys have got something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have, you, well, we have the ear for it. Uh, knowing the fundamentals of music, uh, we can really pick it out. Of we can, we can tell when someone doesn't know the fundamentals. The fundamentals... Steve, are if you're building a house, that's like the carpet. Everything's on top mm-hmm. of that. You get, you get to an empty site, you're going to throw down some carpet, and then you're going to build up from there. And, and everybody knows that. Uh, start with the carpet. Uh, they've got that carpet down. Carpet's down. So later on, I go down, I introduce myself, and no need, they know who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say, like, you know, I like their stuff. They should put in a full album together. And I think they've done like 11 since then. Wow. They really took your advice then. Well, my point is that these guys are are good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they still have plenty of time uh, to begin growing those feet uh, so that they can one day try to fit into those shoes that Rush does wear. They are some big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they can keep doing it. I, th- I hope they can keep building on that success of 11 albums. And uh, mm-hmm. 
I hope this podcast can really help them boost that fame. I think they may need that as an up-and-coming progressive rock band. It's the all-about rush bump. Um, it can transform careers, uh, and we've seen it so many times. Uh, we're going to see uh, some headliners. You're going to see, see King Gizzard up there in lights on the marquee. And doosh, 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 lights come on. And then they're up there, and, and, and they're the first band. And Well, they're not the, no, they're not the first band. I mean they're, the I mean the best band. They're the be- yeah, they're the best first, band. First best band. Uh this next group is a couple of guys that I heard out in Colorado. Mhm. And they've had some local success, I'd say. Uh they go by the name Tool, T O O L. Mm. And from what I can tell, it's a more of a progressive metal style so it's in the same genre same wheelhouse as rush and they've they've had some they've had a few albums i don't know if they've done well i I don't well and so my crazy brain is kind of wired like a giant music rolodex um so let me just flip through that and maybe i can see if they have had any success um Uh, no, no. Oh, I thought that was gonna be it. No. <laughs> nope. So no. You so so right. So so tool. Go ahead, bump yourself up, uh, and and hold on tight, because uh, it's gonna be a wild ride. I want to say the uh, lead singer owns a winery, even. So that may be his day job and he then plays in this band on the side record some takes stomp some grapes um we we've all done this and i'm hoping that with this endorsement here of the all about rush endorsement we can get him to quit that winery do this full time start making some turkey uh baby and 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 that is really what it's all about exactly yeah that's what it's all about in the progressive rock genre is Money. That's where it's at. People don't really realize that. No, it's how much money can I make? Yeah, and if they can follow the Rush game plan, I mean, Rush has Rush has done it. They started it. Yeah, they're still doing it. Yeah, and I was telling them. I was telling uh, Maynard uh, is the lead singer, I believe. I was asking him if he knew Rush. Mm-hmm. Is if he was familiar with early Rush back when they started. Going all the way back to that first self-titled debut album, they had Working Man. Oh, yeah. He didn't. I don't think he knew. I don't think. I don't. I don't believe he knew. He said he did, but I didn't believe him. Hmm. But I gave him some homework. Said, well, reluctantly, I said, okay. So you know, Rush, do what they did. Stay modern. Stay with the times. Yeah. But. Have fun with it. Do what you're doing, and just keep doing it. Really, sage advice, Steve. Um, and tool that is coming free of charge. And and we're gonna give you the all about Rush bump out here on the East Coast. So, tool, put your goggles on because it is going to get uh, very icy and cold uh, in the stratosphere that we are launching you into. We got one more. 
Yeah, I think we have a, we have at least one more. This was this was a hard list to come up with. I know there's just so many. Um, okay, I'm hosting SNL. Mm-hmm. Musical guest is Marvin Hamlish. Mm. He did the soundtrack for The Informant with Matt Damon. Right. And there were a lot of kazoos in that. <laughs> And so he's just kind of, you know, playing the kazoo uh, part into a microphone. Um, and he was leaving all the pauses in, so it did feel very empty. He was doing, was he doing the entire soundtrack or? He was doing a couple tracks of it. Yeah. Just a couple tracks of the kazoo heavy tracks. I yeah. Guess. Right. Okay. And so after the show, I'm talking to Marvin. He's telling me that he was only there because the original band had dropped out last minute. Oh, okay. Says he'd rather be home making love to his wife. Marvin would. And I have heard that he says that to pretty much everybody he talks to. Mm-hmm. Um, so who was the band that uh, pulled the, the power play? And I did forget to ask him that. Mm, okay. But so even for us to just kind of hint at this band, I think, is going to do a good deal for them. Oh, for sure. They're going to get at least another shot at SNL music, musical guest after this podcast. Yes. To any of them. Love, we would love to see them. Really hitting the big stage. Good luck, guys. We wish you the best, um, and you are welcome. And so we are going to take a quick break here. We will be right back in All About Rush. So we're in the back of the van, uh, back doors are open, police cars chasing us, um, and we have to lose the weight or we're all toast. Well, you have, yeah, you're going to have to dump something. So I look at Frankie. Mm-hmm. Munez? Munez. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the heck did you get us into? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's notorious for that. So we're pushing crates. Um, out of the van. They're falling onto the street, breaking open, exploding wood everywhere, making a big mess. Well, are you pushing out the priceless Egyptian artifacts or Well, no, I'm expecting, I'm expecting to see, we're pushing out these crates, I'm expecting to see all of these uh, rare birds <laughs> that were supposed to be kind of packaged. Right. And what? so instead, Steve, guess what was in there? Um... Uh, a bunch of oddly shaped bananas. Yeah, you got it. Wow. Uh, first guess as well. That's and so the police cars are and their tires are on them and they're slipping and they're oh my gosh spinning yes, out. They would naturally. I mean, yeah. And so we and and then and so we do get away. That is the number one use of bananas is actually countermeasures. Countermeasures. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondary. That's primary use for it secondary use for it is eating them people are eating these things steve uh so you're pushing out crates of these misshapen bananas funny looking ones um, yeah they're really weird maybe some are different shaped colors. like a star 
Oh my god, that's hilarious. That is that is a funny shape for a banana. One was cowboy hat. Wow. Hey, welcome back to All About Rush. Um, Steve, let's talk about Rush's 17th studio album, which was Vapor Trails. Oh, I would love to. We've we're finally in the 2000s. We've we've we're in the new millennium. So what were your initial thoughts, uh, reactions, uh, musings, uh, feelings, assertions, um, criticisms, uh, bewilderments, befuddlements, um, opinions, revelations, uh, statements, declarations, um, affirmations, uh, or just what you think? It was loud. It was loud. But you know, they rush did rush. They, they keep pushing that envelope far, closer and closer to the edge of the table. But they yeah. never quite push it off, which I'm thankful for. They have yet to push it off the table, and frankly, thank God uh, that we don't know what that looks like. Um, but yes, it was loud, uh, so much so that uh, critics, Rush themselves, audiophiles, all had something to say about that. Yeah, and that's not audiophiles. Those are audiophiles. Those are people that are big yes. music listeners. I'd say we're both audiophiles. And so to clarify, just between the two, you have audiophiles and you have audiophiles. Audiophiles with, with like audio, F-I-L-E-S, files. Well, obviously. And then audiophiles. Yeah, and then audiophiles. Which aren't actual files. They're people that like music. Yeah. Audiophiles. Right. Audiophiles were the, they had things to say about the volume of this album. Okay. Um, and also, this album did take six years to come out, um, the longest ever. And during this time, Neil Peart had suffered some personal tragedies in his mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, his daughter was killed in a car accident. And then 10 months later, his wife did succumb to cancer. Yeah. Heavy stuff. Heavy stuff for in, in a one year's time span. Heavy stuff, and Steve and I are also no strangers to adversity and tragedy in our own lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, take Tammy, for example. I mean, thankfully, she has pulled through from the car accident. And I did hit her with my car a few months ago, yes. Yes, so she has recovered very nicely, Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem to be any adverse effects. As you know, my children were kidnapped. Uh, now that you bring it up, I do recall that they were kidnapped for several months. And they had been brought back. And though I have mm-hmm. asked them about it, they will not tell me anything uh, about it. Like they're mad at me or something. We did all that we could Every day I did something to get them back, um, even if it was just looking around the house. And we used our celebrity status to get the word out. And it didn't seem like anybody wanted to help. Right. But we did what we could. So I'm not sure why they're mad. Well, and this is something that every parent goes through. You come home, your front door's open, there are tracks leading up to your children's bedrooms. Uh, Their doors are open, there's a sign of a struggle, uh, and they are gone for several months. And then they're home again. 
Mm. See, that's one of the reasons. And, and Steve, the and they've got an attitude. Well, and and so now they have an attitude. Now, oh my God, they've developed an attitude over this. Yeah. Wow. See, this is one of the reasons why Tammy and I have waited to have kids. Right. Oh, boy, just, do I get we're it. just not prepared for the kidnapping stage. And so my question is this, Steve, does personal tragedies uh, create musical inspiration? I'm sure that any any personal experience you'll bring into the writer's room. Um, yeah. So any... Uh, such a highly emotional moment as losing a family member, a close family member, is easily translatable into your writing as a musician. Mm. So it 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 would be hard to say that it didn't influence this album in any way. Neil takes a fifty-five thousand mile motorcycle soul-searching road trip. Uh, comes back, writes a book called Ghost Rider Travels on the Healing Road, mm-hmm. which is actually track three, Ghost Rider. Um, a couple years later, Hollywood gets a sniff of this book, and we get a movie called Ghost Rider. Yeah, which they took in a completely different direction. And, it's, and it stars Nick Cage, uh, which I think may have smoothed over some of the details um, and did create some plot points of its own. They may have misconstrued Neil's notes of being hot-headed a little bit during his his mm-hmm. his anger during his road trip. Um, his burning, f- uh, flaming anger and uh, his quest for redemption, Steve, uh, I think was left largely intact. I think so. Um, penance and his sort of... This was his way of dealing with that loss and processing. Yeah. Which was harder to find in the movie adaptation. You have to kind of pick through it and watch it a few times and just and just sift through the mise-en-scene and mm-hmm, find the... Mm-hmm. And it's in there. And I think in the movie, uh, Eva Mendez, her character is almost a metaphorical symbolism of his wife in a way and they both had like pretty big boobs <laughs> exactly exactly but i think that her being there on set and i'm sure neil pert was on set as well mm. really gave him comfort through the entire production process. Right. And I think it was probably at the end of that where he felt comfortable coming back to the studio and laying down some of these tracks on paper and uh, playing these out. Well, and that's kind of how they did it with this album. Um, 13 tracks, uh, it's a lot. Um, And it does not include keyboards, synthesizers, uh, just standard instrumentation. It's Bare Bones. This is Bare Bones album. They're getting back to the roots again. Bare Bones, back to the roots, just jamming out and recording these sessions and then kind of mixing together the tracks from that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've done this. Uh, Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I've 
gone on many 55,000 mile road trips mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. Um, and every time I get back, I will jam out in the studio and just throw that on a recorder. I'll just jam out again. I'll go on another 55,000 mile road trip. Yeah. Come back, record the next part. I'll pull up to the studio. I'll see your motorcycle outside. I hear very loud music. Uh, and you have taken off all your clothes and left them outside. Yes, I, I often strip down in the nude if I'm recording by myself. It's only yeah. if I'm recording by myself. Yeah. It just really gets me in tune with the music. If you're in there with a bunch of clothes on, you're not in the music. And you do have to jam. It's so true. Uh, in 2003, when I released my album From My Heart to Yours, I had recorded about four straight months of audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I did boil down to about three tracks. Mm-hmm. And so in Russia's case, they got 13, and that's pretty good. I mean, they had six years to boil down to 13, so I think it proportionally is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And just for a little bit of context, I'd say, when when we say he went on a 55,000-mile road trip, I mean, to get perspective on this, on the length of that, in itself, from Cleveland all the way out to where, which is where we are now, center of rock, right, the rock center of the world, mm-hmm. Cleveland, Ohio, out to let's say L.A. Yeah, you're looking at no more than five thousand miles. Okay, L.A. is, and that's that's California. That is, okay. uh, and that and, and west coast, west of here. We're going west. It's a state. It's called California. You can find it on a map or most most maps. Yeah, that's roughly. I'm gonna go no more than five thousand miles. And he went on fifty five thousand miles on a motorcycle before this album. He he came back and threw all of those fifty five thousand miles onto this album. Mm-hmm. He squeezed it in, mushed it in, uh, and that being said. It does feel like a pretty conventional rock album, post-grunge. Yeah, I, after all that, I would think it'd be a little more of an emotional album. Mm-hmm, maybe a missed opportunity. Maybe he just wanted to get, he just needed to get back in the out into the studio and back to what he loved doing to get back into the swing of things. So, right. and the way, that they get, the way that Rush gets back in the swing of things is just laying down a sick rock track. We've seen it time and time again, and now once again, Getty and Alex are lacing up those tennis shoes and going for a run up and down that fretboard until your face is somewhere on the floor. Right. And that's that's pretty much what happened during this album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, it has been clear for some time that Rush has stepped away from program music and those kinds of narrative themes uh, in favor of something not so goddamn nerdy and something that would be maybe less likely to have your head end up in a high school bathroom toilet. Yeah, you're no longer in the school's AV club. Mm. You're, you're in the freaking huddle of a football game getting your head pounded by some heavy bass riffs. Heavy hitting riffs. And... Some snare drum. Three stars from All Music, B-plus from E! Weekly. Um, but people don't listen to this to hear what All Music thought. They want to know what the what's the master's scoop. Right. So, Steve, 
What are we thinking? I would give this one, based on everything they had gone through over the over the previous six years, especially Neil, who was their head writer all these years. He was the one that wrote all of their songs. It's true. Judging on, and I'm I'm going on that sort of. That's my that's my jumping point here. Yeah, I'm gonna give this a four out of five. Mm-hmm. Just for that shield willpower to write a kicking rock album here. It's a testament to the strength of the human spirit um, to come back after all of that and write 13 tracks. It can't be easy. Can't be easy. And take it from us, it's not. Yeah. Let's say your daughter and your wife die and now write an album and people say it's easy. Well, it's not. It's not. I mean, look what Frank Castle did in The Punisher. His wife and most of his family died. Mm -hmm. He didn't go out and write a rock album. Oh, I know he didn't. He buffed up and went on a murderous rampage to revenge his family. (laughs) And he did seek revenge, and that is another form of courage. That's all it is. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And get used to it, Buster. And Neil had that different color of courage. Yeah. And he put all those feelings on paper the best that he could. And he came. He walked away with a solid rock album. So yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going four out of five. I would say the same. I would say a four out of five is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it is the job of people like us, uh, the pros, to make these claims that these albums are all right or sometimes a little better than all right or mm-hmm. occasionally a little worse than all right. Occasionally, yeah. And so critics go ahead and skewer us for that. And yes. all I can say is do go ahead and put me with carrots and green peppers uh, and keep it to five minutes on the side. <laughs> is that a kebab? Are you a kebab? I'm a, I'm like a kebab, yeah. Mm. Skewer me. Uh, yeah. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let us have it, and just give it to us hard. Give it to give it to Roy hard. <laughs> well, give it to somebody. <laughs> yeah, give it to somebody. Email us, maybe. Ah, sure. I mean, and for all the haters out there, I have five words for you. Mm-hmm, yeah. What are they? Hey, be nice to me. Such good thoughts, and I guess parting thoughts, because I've got nothing else. Mm-hmm. So, good luck to those four bands. We got, again, we'll reiterate, the Saskatooners. Saskatooners, can't wait to hear just so much more just of you. Just more of all of them, yes. Um, King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard. Tool. Tool, and I then hope, a, whoever. Uh, but we wish the best of luck to all of them, and we hope to hear more from them very soon. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>